Oh, man. Break it down, Stephen Greenberg. Mmm, that is a good one right there. Funky Town, a piece of Minnesota. Oh, bring it back. Brian is now flipping around and skating backwards. Why do you think I keep that large piece of cardboard in the studio, man? <laughs> I'm a b-boy from the old days. Exactly. Just kidding. I actually did think I was for a while. Um, even though I grew up in the mean cul-de-sacs of Coon Rapids, Minnesota, I was uh, not afraid of movies like Beat Street or Breakin', nor its sequel, Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. In fact, I was quite fond and adjacent to both of those, or all three of those movies, Beat really. Uh, I, you know, I, I remember hearing Rockbox by Run DMC for the first time, so we weren't quite there yet. Hip-hop hadn't crossed all the way over, but that particular song right there with some very strong Minnesota roots is about to turn 40 years old. No way. It goes fast, man. It goes really fast. That would be Funky Town by Lips, Inc. Came out as the first single off of their album Mouth to Mouth, pardon me, back in March of 1980. And dang, it's a jam. Now, how big a jam was that song? Well, Steven Greenberg was the producer who made it. Cynthia Johnson, the legendary Cynthia Johnson, is the vocalist who's on there. That song went number one in Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, well, to hear Europe, it says France, Ireland, Israel, Netherlands, again in the Netherlands on a different chart, New Zealand, Norway, Spain, Switzerland, and in the U.S. it was number one on five different charts. So kind of a monster jam. That was a hit. <laughs> I think by any metric, that was absolutely be a hit. Turning 40 years old, turning considerably older. My name is Brian Oak. It is the Brian Oak Show. We are in the Smart Start MN Studios. Sean, I want you to tell me before I ask you a question about your life and how you're living it incorrectly. Uh, and then we get to today's guest, who I am very excited to get a chance to pick his brain and talk to and frankly meet for the first time, even though, even though I feel like I've known him for a long time. If people go to smartstartmn.com, is it slash Brian Oak Show? Slash The Brian Oak Show. You got that right, The Brian Oak. Yeah. Just kidding, of course. Yeah, they go to that uh, that website and they can get an additional 20% off the Ignition Interlock. It's a phenomenal deal if you or anyone you know, because everybody knows somebody that got a Dewey sometime in the last several months. We all think that we're going to be okay, and you're like, yeah, I just had a couple, I'm cool, and maybe you're a teetotaler like Sean. Maybe you don't drink at all. Oh, there we go. What? No, 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 no. That wasn't actually my point about how you're living your life. That's actually probably the smartest thing you're doing well, with your life right now. Um, just don't don't drink and drive. But if you do, there are ways to get back on the road. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about those friends, those acquaintances, Smart Start MN. Plus, they were the first adopters of the Brian Oak Show. So not only do they want to get you back on the road and make sure that you could, because if you don't know what Ignition Interlock is, it's basically a breathalyzer in your car. You blow too high, your car doesn't start. It's probably a good thing. There's light rail, there's there's Uber, there are so many options, but you need to know and you need to be safe. And if you've already made that mistake, you can't do it again. It's such a strange thing because obviously we don't want people to get a DUI. No. But we want our client to be supported. This is how the show stays on the air is by these sponsors here. So, so are we supposed to find a way to get more reckless drinkers? No. To listen to our show? No. no. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the right I don't approach know. at all. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what either. that answer I don't is. Know, but here's the deal. You made it, You brought up the best point is that everybody knows somebody who screws up once in a while. Maybe you've done it yourself. Maybe you have a friend, a cousin, a relation, whatever the case is. Please send them to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show, and you can find out exactly what they do and get in on the lower. No, I wanted to check in with you because the last podcast we did, Sean, by the way, that's Sean Bernard. Not only business partner, but also co-sponsor of the show. You uh, told me that you are a New Year's resolution guy, and I bought a pizza because I was I was having a blood sugar crash, like I hadn't eaten since breakfast, and I was getting a little twitchy. Um, you ever collected unemployment before? Yes, I have. Uh, you're Very a short while. Yeah. Did you ever have to go to one of those unemployment assessments? I had to go to one. Yeah. 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 I was just at my second one this <laughs> afternoon. They're like, why aren't you working? I'm like, oh, I'm working. I'm just not making any money. Okay, so there's, there's a difference, <laughs> all right? I am working. Yeah, and then I so sitting there and just sort of slowly, oh, thinking like I've got to go get a job right now. Um, I, I was getting real hungry and panicky. I bought a pizza and mozzarella sticks, to which you, because you're better than everybody else, said, no, no, I'll just eat my quinoa and broccoli salad. It was tasty. Yeah? 
I'm eight days in on this whole deal. I've done this before. I just have my doctor just said I have to lose some weight. Okay. Or else I'll get too good looking. Or no, is that? I don't know. I don't think that's I think what it's the other way around, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so are, they, are you doing like the kettlebells or like you like doing like hot yoga? I'm doing a weird thing for the first time in my life. I usually obsess about one kind of exercise and then I do it to a ridiculous amount and pour off a bunch of weight. Right. This time I'm mixing it up and I'm mixing it up between the like the elliptical, the exercise bike. People are just snoring right now, by the way. And um, No, because there's a, couple, a lot of people who are still in the same Well, book. a couple other things. When but, we talked this about, about this last time, you're like, what you hated was everybody on social media being like, oh, okay, look at all these fat people who think they're going to try to figure it out this yeah. year, and they're clogging up the machines at my gym. Why don't you just give up now and get out of here, which I think is the wrong attitude. So I actually was just checking in to see if you are still nine days in sticking with it. I am, and it's going really well, and I'm feeling better and sleeping better and all that stuff. I yeah. actually am not as hungry as I was, which is odd. You realize- it's not like I'm pushing some kind of program, but there's no program. I just oh, but there are available sponsorships on the Brian Oak Show. There absolutely are. Uh, so you know what? I actually bought that pizza not so much because I was hungry, but as a test, and you passed barely. You know what you got? And you you know what you got what? F plus. I love an F plus, and you didn't even know this about me, but we share something that's probably more important than being Irish. You love pepperoni pineapple pizza well and uh, canadian bacon pineapple is even better but pepperoni and pineapple is fine the bottom line is it doesn't really matter what you pair it with pineapple on pizza is wildly divisive it is why our good friend jeff stubblefield who, who did that picture right there has been yeah. a friend of mine forever our guest tonight knows him on social media we've all kind of bonded over being somewhat like-minded he i think would rather eat fresh cat turds on pizza than pineapple <laughs> and I'm, I'm not joking i really believe that he would probably if if the two were in front of him he might choke it down but he might be like no i'm not just philosophically because he's that kind of a stubborn guy we have to start a list and maybe we put it on the wall over here like on a piece of paper not on the actual wall but of potential punk band names and i think fresh cat turds just made that list because <laughs> in this show we constantly there's something new all the time i wouldn't go see that band uh, our <laughs> guest tonight our guest tonight is a guy who i don't even really know how to describe he's got minnesota roots but he is he is someone who is obsessed with the future he is someone who is obsessed with science fiction he's obsessed with where we're going he's obsessed obsessed with telling the stories about the near and potentially distant future he's definitely a sci-fi guy but i also find that he's also obsessed with our immediate future he is a human being he cares about the people around him and he decries stupidity at every corner and i'm not talking about political takes i'm talking about clearly suicidal approaches to the way that we are treating our world the way that we're treating our fellow human beings he's a good human being and i'm really excited to talk to him we haven't had i've seen his face a thousand times but we haven't had a chance to talk before and his story is fascinating before we get to that though we're going to hear a little bowie which i know he's not mad about yesterday was david bowie's well what would have been his birthday except we lost him a few years back and it was announced yesterday from the estate that bowie's going to release two new records this year a digital ep featuring unheard versions of songs those are going to be released weekly and then there'll be a live session which comes out on record store day this april so look forward to well not necessarily new bowie but previously unreleased bowie coming here in 2020 see we did get to start with some good news and um the one that's not available yet on spotify so we couldn't play it that is out there on YouTube is a special unreleased version of this song right here. You know, when people talk about Hunky Dory being the masterpiece, or they talk about uh, Ziggy Stardust, uh, the rise and fall of Ziggy yeah. Stardust, and the Spiders of Mars being the masterpiece, I think the real story with Bowie starts the record right before Hunky Dory because he suddenly came out of this weird, British, jaunty, folky thing and became a real psychedelic rocker. And this record, I think, is underappreciated, and I don't think there's a weak track on it. And this is the title cut from that record by David Bowie. his friend which gave us some surprise I spoke into his eyes I thought you died alone a long long time ago oh no not me 
Not just to celebrate the late, great David Bowie, but that song in particular off of the impossibly iconic, the star-making turn of David Bowie's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. That is, it's a defining moment right there. Not only, And it's important to remember, too, I mean, I go pretty deep on Bowie, and you have to, he wasn't an alien. He was sort of their spokesperson, their messiah, if you will. And, but the star man did come from the sky, and he'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. And then, of course, let the children boogie, which to me, I think that there is a gentle simpleness in that particular phrase right there because, you know, even on Hunky Dory, the record before it changes, you know, Bowie believed that there was something better for all of us. He believed in achieving. He believed in creating. He was afraid to face the public. He called himself the actor through his entire career, but he also had brilliant stories to tell. And I believe that tonight's guest has brilliant stories to tell. His name is Jeffrey Morris, and I don't know what to call you. Do I call you a futurist? Do I call you a fellow human? Do I call you a movie director, writer, and production designer? What do I call you, Jeffrey Morris? I'm just a guy. All the above. Well, guy, (laughs) guy, thanks for coming in. And hello, by the way. Very well met. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we found each other, you know, most of the time on social media. You meet someone, you see a thing here, you see a thing there. But every once in a while, somebody grabs your attention. And Jeffrey has been working on a series of film productions that we'll talk about here very shortly. And they were all fascinating. They were very sci-fi related. And it it made me think about when I was a young man because the the nature of these production designs that you're, you're sharing on social media as you come closer to... Persephone, which is a major motion picture, and these other episodic series you're working on, it made me think about when I was a kid. Not only did I love sci-fi, you know, you'd see little things here and there. I loved Star Trek and Space 1999 and all that stuff. But I remember very specifically the first time I ever picked up a copy of Omni Magazine. Oh, yeah. It expanded what I thought Science fiction was no longer guys in silly suits with ray guns, although I still kind of dig that stuff. The possibilities of what it could be suddenly became limitless. When I see your stuff, it makes me think about Omni magazine. You know, it's interesting that you bring up Omni because um, I think you're right. Omni was right at the intersection between the sci-fi world and the sci-fi stories and the real world. It was right there, right in the middle. And I I remember, um, you know, getting my my hands on the first issue. I think I saw that when I was like fifth or sixth grade, sixth grade or something like that. Same here. And I I just blew my mind. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. As a matter of fact, uh, um, Malcolm McDowell, is doing the voice of the computer in my film Persephone, and I named the computer Omni after. after yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, see, now I've been yeah. doing my homework, but yeah. I missed that part yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, well. Yeah, so, yeah, so all right, yeah. because be, once you yep. start dropping, like now, I didn't know you were going to be a Hollywood name dropper when you came in here. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. I'm, I'm so excited about yeah. what you have in the. In, but you have a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. You are making a major motion picture that has real names attached to it, including your own. You are also got these episodic series. But just to give people a little context, where did you grow up and when did you come to Minnesota? So um, let's see. I was born in Chicago and uh, uh, pretty early on in my life, my, my, fa- my folks moved to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and we lived in uh, Phoenix until I was in middle school. And, uh, and then I uh, we went, moved back to Illinois, went to high school and college in Illinois, and while I was in college, um, I had some friends who moved from Illinois up here to Minnesota. And, you know, and I'd always been interested in the Minneapolis sound and that sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. It's like in addition to kind of my interest in film and science, that sort of thing, I've always been into music. And um, I really felt like the the whole thing that Prince was doing and that the, the whole Minneapolis scene, at least seeing it from afar, I was like, man, these people, they seem to have a, a different vibe. You know, there was a um, I was coming out of a, a situation where there was a fair amount of racial racial persecution and stuff going on when I where I lived down in Illinois and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I kind of looked at Minneapolis and I was like, well, it looks like it's not as big a deal up there. And it looked like, you know, there was a there was definitely a vibe where people were getting along or at least creating something new together. Mm-hmm. And it felt like everybody was invited. And so I came up here just on a on a whim to visit. And uh, I, I was here for about a week, week and a half. And I, I met some people. I, I, I toured. I got I got to do a lot of stuff in the area. And I was like, I'm moving up. And. <laughs> It was very interesting. So that that was in uh, right at the end of '87, and uh, so top of '88, uh, I think it was February '88. I moved up here, and I'm, I'm I just packed up my stuff and drove up. Wild, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, you know, my my f- people thought I was nuts because it was like a you know kind of over a foot of snow on the ground. They're like, you're, you're moving to Minnesota. What are you doing? You know, that I was insane. Right. But I but I I don't know. I felt like it was something pretty amazing, and and uh, 
um, you know, over the, the next few years, I decided to, uh, I'd always been interested in entrepreneurship and I ended up uh, starting my own business and initially uh, directed music videos and uh, did commercials, that sort of thing. Anyone we would have heard of? Well, uh, I worked a little bit with... Um, like, are you the Miamix guy or anything like that? Or? Well, <laughs> I did... <laughs> I did. I did a lot of. Uh, actually, I did behind the scenes stuff at Paisley, and and I was. Uh, I worked quite a bit on uh, that whole Diamonds and Pearls era with uh, with Prince. Yeah, stuff like pretty that. great so, era. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So I, I did some choreography work. I was involved with uh, uh, the the music video uh, Get Off. Hey, um, nice. okay. I did stuff. Yeah. First of all, yeah. outside of so nineteen ninety nine is by far my favorite record. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even close for me. I mean, he obviously, though, was extremely pro- prolific. And I was one of those suckers who, because I was an 80s kid, I sort of lost the thread in the 90s and the 2000s with Prince. Mm-hmm. Get Off is the best song from the second half of his career. You worked on the video for that? Yeah, I was in the video for that. Yeah. Wait, wait yeah. a minute. So you, yeah. so you said you did choreography work. Yeah. These days, you do high-end Sci-fi production design directing. You have a whole film company. Yeah. What don't you do? What can't <laughs> Jeffrey Morris do? I, I don't know. We're, we're still testing the limits. Uh, seriously, <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm still pushing the envelope. I, so let's see how you juggle. Out. Let's we'll get see. some juggling that, that going. That I can't do. Mm. I can't juggle. Yet, I can't. I yet. Can't. I, I feel like, like if you put your mind to it, by the next time we talk, who knows? I'll, I'll see what I can do. You'd be a juggler. So here you are. Three bottles here, maybe. I can. So for <laughs> for a lot of people, I mean, even when you're used to working in entertainment and you're doing production like that, mm-hmm. um, and you're working with some people that are exceptionally talented, you're working with professionals, you're working at a very, very high level, that is the next step to creating what is Future Dude Entertainment. FutureDude.com is where you go if you'd like to see the sort of dizzying number of projects that you have in the mill right now. Um they're gorgeous, they're far-reaching, they're thoughtful, but that's a big step. I mean, how do you decide that you're going to work in a production company that actually is going to be responsible for making major motion pictures? That's not something most people can do. Well, I okay, so it, it starts in a really weird place because I, I actually, um, it's funny, I was going to be an astronaut when I was a kid. That was good call, where, by okay. the way. Yeah, I was going to be an astronaut. Well. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, my friends from childhood right now can't believe that I'm not. They're like, well, wait a minute, weren't you going to be an astronaut? Uh-huh. And, you know, it was interesting. I hit this uh, this period right around uh, 77 or so when the uh, when Star Wars came out. Uh, all my friends who, by the way, at the time didn't understand why I liked real space stuff. They didn't actually get it. Right. They were like, they were like, what, what is that stuff? Right. 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 And and uh, so then Star Wars came out and they're like, this is cool. This is all. I'm like, mm. yeah, but you guys, that's not the real. But there's this over here. Right. 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 And but yet I also sensed that the real space program wasn't going to become what I was reading about and what was projected. And I was like, okay, so you got the Star Wars thing on one side that's grabbing everybody's attention from the future and from you know this is now space to them, right? Um, and and futuristic technology which has nothing to do with us and it's not real. And then the real space program seems to be faltering. And I kind of I had this weird epiphany. And I was about eleven, and I was like. You know what I ought to do? Maybe I should learn how to make movies like Star Wars, but make it about real stuff. So I set out to make movies like The Martian. Uh, back, I, I guess I first decided I was going to do that in like 1980. That's when I decided I was going to do it. And Which so, is wild still, by the way, because yeah. I mean, you're young at this point, And to have that kind of perspective, because guess what? You weren't wrong. The space program yeah. did falter. Yeah. And, yeah. and there were still yeah. efforts made. But of course, given, of course. How, given how quickly it went so early on... And, you know, there are some practical, although the emotional weight of the stories is less if there's not a human there, and it's more robotic now, and that right. really does make more sense from a financial perspective. Yep. Yep. But to know back then that, like, it's not going to, like, that we're not going to be terraforming new planets. We're no. not going to have a base on Mars, we, maybe not in my lifetime. No, we're, we're missing something, and, I, and we'll, we'll get back to how this led me to become a filmmaker, mm-hmm. but, but, but let's talk about this for a minute, because, because I think it's major. I think it's a serious deal. Um, you know, it's funny. There's a there's an Apple TV Plus TV series right now called uh, For All Mankind, which which deals with the idea of what would have happened if the Russians had gotten to the moon first, and then we kept mm. going. We we kept trying, kept instead, fighting, right? We kept right. fighting. Competing. So it's like this alternate reality, and I, I would highly re- recommend this series if you guys you haven't mm. seen it. It's really cool. But the point, I, you know, I, for years, I've thought about doing a documentary because when I, when I was a kid, I used to read all these books. I go to the library and I get these books, and they would talk about in in uh, 1981 we're going to land on Mars. 
<laughs> you know, and, and we're going to go to Venus and we're going to this and we're going to put this space station here. and We're going to do that. I, I was looking at those books. I was like, oh, that's awesome. We're mm-hmm. gonna and then I then I'd, I'd look forward. I'd see a movie like uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, and yeah. I'd go, well, that's going to happen. You know, you know, matter of time, right? right? It's, it's just, right it's like, here. It's right here. It, and and it, I don't know if you guys did this or not, but when I was a kid, we always talked about the year 2000. We were like, what's oh, it going to yeah. be like? What's yeah. life going to be yeah. like in the year yeah. 2000? <laughs> oh, especially when I was little, I was like, God, I'll be 32 years old. <laughs> that is so far away. <laughs> I know. I'll know. never know. happen. Exactly. And, and it's funny. I did that, too. I was like, I'll be 32. Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. Right, right? So it's like, in the year 2000, there will be, you know, and we think about those things. Um, I, had a, I had this awesome book when I was a kid called uh, 2010, Living in the Future. And it talked about, um, you know, all the um, automation and all these futuristic things and stuff. So my point was, is that, we we definitely had this projection of where we thought we were going, and we didn't end up going any of that. Not none, you know. It's I, I, now that's funny. If you look at those shows, and you know some of the sci fi stuff like Space nineteen ninety nine things like that, mm-hmm. they didn't get think like miniaturization and electronics or the idea of an iPhone. Right. That's way beyond what they were thinking about. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you, I would trade an iPhone for a moon base any day. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I right? sure you do. You know what I mean? The Eagle right, One. Right, yes. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. go. You know, let's exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a different world, and that would be yeah. a, a you know much more interesting world. And so, so anyway, I decided I was going to make movies about the world that I wanted to live in. Right. So I said I set out to start. I started looking at at, at all the making of Star Wars books, and I started trying to figure out because like the thing with Star Wars, I really I'm going to be honest. It's blasphemy or whatever, but I really wasn't that into Star Wars, the story when I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is okay. Which, by the way, yeah. knowing you and anybody who's even vaguely adjacent to you or understands what you do for a living, I don't know about blasphemy, but surprising, certainly, <laughs> that, that that's not your jam. Yeah, yeah. It just, it, 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 you know, it's like, okay, I mean, I, I thought things were cool in Star Wars, right? Like, like, obviously, that first shot with the Star Destroyer, I was like, holy, you know, right. when I first saw that. Um, By the no. way, don't ever stop yourself from swearing on this show. Now, I know it's probably against what you like to do as a normal, nice, decent human being. No, I swear all the time. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> just, just know that this yeah, is a okay. safe place. Okay, this right. is a safe place. This is a safe place. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So, um, By the way, do you yeah. prefer Jeff or Jeffrey? Jeff is fine. Jeff? Jeff is just fine. Jeff is fine. What so, about yeah, Jaybird? I, I, well, I let's start with Jeff. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you didn't love Star Wars overall aesthetic because you were more in love with practical science. Yes, yes. I was. I would see to me uh, uh, Skylab when I was a kid. You know that was super cool to me. They, they were guys going up and orbiting the Earth and the space station and stuff like that. And uh, and obviously it was because, but it was because of uh, reading. You know, and it wasn't. You had to go get the knowledge. It oh, wasn't yeah. like coming to you you had to go get it you the, know, oh, wait, wait a minute right? there was a time when the internet internet didn't exist <laughs> and there weren't eight thousand channels of television <laughs> right. I, I have a vague recollection right. of those days there you go there you go and you remember uh, like I, I remember um you know these tv shows that i would like at the time and i remember trying to this is just an aside but trying to memorize um uh the theme to a tv show because there was no other way to there wasn't like even VCR yeah. yet, right? You right. know, it's like it's like, and so you're singing the thing. I remember singing "Lost in Space," you know, trying to remember that theme, you know, so like that. You know, it was just a different time. It was just a different time. And uh, anyway, because I took so much time as a kid reading, I really had an appreciation for the real stuff, you know. So like, I I memorized the astronauts. I knew all the astronauts' names. I understood the technology. So again, you know, while I thought that uh, uh, Star Wars was really cool, um, it wasn't what I wanted to see. I wanted to see something about us. Did you have a parent or a teacher or somebody that that led you into this, or how'd you get into it? Um, you know, um, partially, my my father was uh, uh, an aerospace engineer. That was that one of things, which was a big deal. And he was he was. Uh, well, so you've got literature laying around. I mean, at, <laughs> yeah. least, at least it's part yeah, of the yeah, conversation. Yeah, absolutely, it didn't, absolutely. Just... it didn't just know. I mean, he he. I, I will I will say my my dad connected a few dots for me, which was really something. He. Uh, um, you know, he was the first black space, uh, black uh, aerospace engineer in the state of Arizona oh back gosh. then, which wow. was the stuff he faced and the things that went on. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, like I can't a, imagine. Literally, my parents, my, my dad was hired by uh, General Electric. It was interesting. And they, they moved my mother and I, this is before I was born, out to Arizona. Yeah. And they were living out there. And it, it was a, a situation where the housing complex for all the workers, they literally wouldn't let my parents live there because they were black. It was like that, right? Where was it? This is, this is in uh, in the Phoenix area. In Phoenix in proper. Phoenix proper. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. And it was just. My, I only bring this up because it was just such a such a different time. And and I I um. But it wasn't but, very long ago, I man. Know, it's hard I know, to believe I know, that. I know. I know. It, Your parents not. lived 
through it. My and, parents and you did. as a kid, Absolutely. you said you were, I mean, that yeah. that's the stuff that bends my mind. You know, oh. in addition to your scientific and sci-fi leanings, your humanity in the way you express yourself on social media and now here in person, like that's, that, that, that is our mutual future right there. Yeah, that's yeah, our whole yeah. future. Well, and, 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 and I guess I, I want to make sure I, you know, uh, finish continue that, on yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. thought because my, my father, um, he saw the future as being a better place. Right. So he was like, you know, this, the past was worse. Yeah. The yeah. present has its challenges, but the future, it's going to be better. We're going to figure this out. And so when I was a kid, so I'm in the, play, you know, I'm going, going out there on the playground fighting with kids and going through all this stuff. But I come yeah. home and I watch Star Trek. I see the, you know, the, see the reruns and I'm like, well, they're getting along there. <laughs> right. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That means that in the future, they work this out. That gave me hope, right? That gave me a sense. My father also came home, and he would bring me. Um, uh, he brought me home a, a poster of the space shuttle, nearly a, a decade before it launched, right? And wow. something like that. So I had this poster so of, this, cool. of this thing. Like, what is that? Yeah. It's like that looks like an airplane, but it's like a spaceship. That's really that kind of stuff fired me up. You know, he he would. Um, uh, I remember one time he woke me up in the middle of the night one night to to go out and look at a meteor shower. You know, um, we we talked about the men you know, uh, who, who had landed on the moon. We, we these are conversations I yes. would have, you know? So, so I would say that he absolutely connected some dots for me. My, my mother used to take me to the library. So those yeah. are things that happened, you know, that helped. Well, me. he showed you something that, you know, that I see in you now that, that you, somebody put instilled in you a belief in yourself mm-hmm. that you could do it no matter what, despite yeah. the odds, despite everything else. That's pretty phenomenal. I yeah. think it's fantastic. Yeah. Jeffrey yeah. Morris is one of the main brains, if not the main brain, behind Future Dude Entertainment. I want to talk about Persephone. I want to at least give a very brief overview of everything else uh, that is available that Future Dude is working on because there's so much there. And before we get to your first musical selection, I do have to knock out a couple of sponsors real quick, all right? Very good. Uh, Sean Bernard, I'm not, and by knockout, I don't mean like just throwing away. I mean, I mean celebrating. I mean getting to know. I mean learning. And let's, let's drill deep on Sean Bernard. He is a realtor for Edina Realty, the 50th in France office. And this is a slow time of the year. So tell me, and we talked about it a little bit last time. What is the advantage of either selling or buying your home in the slow time of the year? Well, the, the crazy thing about it is that you're doing the planning right now. And so, you know, I went and met with somebody today and she's going to do some decluttering and all that, and including decluttering her son out of the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I mean, you really got to do some planning with it. And she's been in the house since 2002. And so let's say that she gets everything done in a few weeks. You're still not listing until mid-February at that point. And then the average house still takes 30 days to to actually sell. And then the closing is usually about 30 to 45 days beyond that. This is the time to plan. I, a lot of people plan their year this time. They don't do it in December. Like we think they should, right? They do it now. They kind of look at the, the, the calendar turns over and we all start to believe it's 2020. And, and so that's what we did today. We put a plan together for her. We talked about her house. I brought over a market analysis to really look at what's sold, what's active, what's pending a place just sold with multiple bids last weekend. Okay. You know, and so it you may think it's slow, you may think that nothing's happening right now, but but there's a lot going on and a lot of people are looking at and some people they just want to they just want to hey, can I meet with you to see where my house is at to see if it's even possible. The answer might be I wouldn't sell it yet, yeah. you know, if you've only been there 3 years or whatever and, you know, depending on what you put into the house, but ideally what you're going to get from me is somebody that does their homework and uh is going to care about you, not just about making the quick buck. And, uh, you know, I like to have my clients as friends and, and know them a long time. And so before we get your contact information, and move yes. on, uh, just because I'm a guy who knows nothing about realty. When you hear the guaranteed offer spiel and I'm not naming names because there's more than one outlet that does it. There's one particular outlet that does it a lot, but there's a lot of other places. You're not getting the most money you're going to get for your home. You don't have to stage. You don't have to do anything. You have to do any of this stuff. Guaranteed offer. It just means that you're going to get undercut in value, right? Well, I think, you know, there was an article about this. But I'm not think, really looking for a deep dive on this. No, yes no, no. no. I'll, be, I'll, be very, I'll be very quick about it is that it's people that are trying to get rid of their places quickly. That are, I understand. Are you going to get the top dollar? Absolutely not. Right. You know, think about it with anything else that you would sell. Like you know? if you said that hammer sitting next to you right there, if I'm like, I'll give you a guaranteed offer, 10 cents. I'd take it. No, it's my hammer. You're not, <laughs> you're not making me pay 10 cents for my own I hammer. I had a hammer. How do, oh, you, it's, oh, dang, I forgot about that. Uh, it's sitting right there. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, 612-859-2594. They just have to bounce off a satellite in space to yeah. be able to do that. 
Uh, and then Sean Barnard at EdinaRealty.com. I also want people to text Laurie at 612-701-2216 if you have a new home, if you are selling your home, or if you've never had your basement tested for radon. It's a big deal. Odorless, colorless, and the leading cause of cancer in non lung cancer in non-smokers is exposure to radon gas. And up here in the upper Midwest, apparently it has something to do with granite. And uh, I don't pretend to be a scientist. I'm not a, I'm not a realtor. I'm not a radon scientist. Hell, what am I? Super Planet Granite. She's a galaxy girl. Remember? Okay. Okay. Well, that was Janet. Uh, Great River Radon Mitigation is who we're sending you to. Laurie at 612-701-2216. They will test out your house for a hundo, a one honeybee, a C-note. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Get it done. Make your plan. Get it done. And hopefully you don't have any, but it's estimated that up to two-fifths or two out of every five homes in Minnesota have some level of radon gas. You need to find out because you don't want it just sitting there, especially during these cold winter months where everything is sealed up. It is the Brian Oak Show. We are joined by Jeffrey Morris, who is a kind, compassionate, intelligent, creative, and frankly, fairly inspiring individual. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronomer. But then what I found out was, because I really love science, I love the stars, I like, I like to think about the impossible vastness of... Imagine just our solar system, how impossibly vast it is. And then to know it's one of billions in this one galaxy of which there are untold billions. Here was the problem is I found out you get to spend about 0.002% of your time looking through a telescope. And you get to spend the rest of that time doing some of the heaviest math that's ever been conceived of on the planet. And I got to be honest, I probably could have made myself do that. But that to me, I I wanted the romantic part. I want to be on Persephone. And I know you have to work hard to do that as well. Before we talk about Persephone, because this, I'm looking forward to this project, man. But I want to talk about some of the other things that got you here. But first, I, I insist that every guest who comes by brings a couple of songs. And when you pick this one, I loved it because... I also apparently, in addition to not being a scientist, not being a realtor, not a very good artist, the very first art project I ever did in the one year of college I was at was named after this first song you picked, which means we, we're we connected at some level. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what, what's the song you picked? Holiday on the Moon. By Love and Rockets. And why'd you pick this one? It's one of my all-time favorites, um, and it's actually one I'm planning to include in my film.
some piece of clothing I'm wearing right now smells like an opossum died on it, and I can't tell what it is, so I apologize. I showered. Used a really beautifully scented beard oil. I gotta, Did you? You should mix a, in some laundry every once in a while. No, I, this literally just came out of the dryer. I don't know what happened. It, something going on over here, so I'm just apologizing to both of you now if, <laughs> if it's tough to be around me because I'm not normally like this, and if I can smell it, I'm always congested. It means it must be bad. It's probably pretty funky. Uh, it's the Brian Oak Show. Our guest is Jeffrey Morris, and I don't know. What would you estimate? I don't know the exact date. Two, three years now we've been friends on social media? At least, yeah. And my initial entree into you, and of course, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, your humanity in the face of our species' suicidal, just headlong plunge, which had already been going on, plunge towards extinction, had already been going on. It seems to be accelerating. We seem to be living in a willful age of ignorance, and so that's why I appreciate you know, I'm not talking about being a crusader. I'm not talking about choosing left versus right, up no, versus down, I'm black not, versus I'm not white. One of those guys. I'm not either. And I think yeah. I think that we're all on the same page. Like yeah. I always think, you know, look at how big our brains are. There's not mm-hmm. been a mammal with the brain to body mass ratio in the as far as we know in the history of life on Earth that's had this. So you'd think, well, there's nothing we can't do. And right. if we pointed all seven billion brains in the same direction. Literally, oh, might be not be anything we couldn't it, do. Absolutely, yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, we are still worried about making the biggest pile of pretty colored rocks and fearing someone because they look different, or in my case, smell different, or whatever the case <laughs> might be. I mean, you know, I, I make light yeah. of it, but it's really true. We can't seem to figure it out, and it's horrifying. So, th- those are the posts that you wrote that I realized this guy and I have a lot in common. But the very first posts I ever saw from you were posts for your production stills. I think it was Ocean. Oceanus before I saw anything on sure. Persephone. So yeah. you work for, is it your company? Yeah, it's my company. Yeah, future, yeah. So you are Future yeah. Dude Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. The company originally was, well, it, it actually is called Morris Future Works, right? So I, I founded the company in 2010. Great name, and, by uh, the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. But I, I had a blog called Future Dude that I that I created. And, and the whole point of calling it Future Dude was about like popularizing science. I, I'm a huge fan of Carl Sagan. The one thing mm. we, you know, if we, if we chronologically kind of talk about my life. So there was, there was when I was a kid. Small kid into the space stuff. Star Wars puts me on the path of wanting to make movies. Carl Sagan was the guy that made me really want to popularize science. The the thing I love yeah. about Carl Sagan and ever since then, um, other people who have followed in his wake. Uh, uh, why can't I think of his name right now? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thank you very much. I've there actually bought tickets to see his last three performances and I just had a momentary brain cramp. The ability to articulate, so when I talked before about wanting to be an astronomer, the ability to articulate the almost impossible mind-numbing vastness and very nature of existence itself, so far as we pretend to understand it, and we're always learning, but to be able to describe what we even do know now, as complex as it is, and lay it out for the layperson, that was Carl Sagan's great gift, better than anybody. He he was a poet that also, that that, that demystified as opposed to adding mystique. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that he recognized, and and actually, you know, he had had some pushback from the scientific community about Mm -hmm. this, and and I've known people too that, uh, you know, these... These sort of academician type guys who are like, you know, if you want this knowledge, you must come up here. You know, right. it's like, come on, man, bring it down. We've got everyone needs to know this. This should this should be basic knowledge. It should it, be basic. It's it the reason be, I love you know, Discover Magazine yeah. because it is for people like me. Like I used to have a, a subscription to both science and nature, mm-hmm. and I would find that in some of these truly academic articles, for the first two paragraphs, I was good, and then suddenly oh, yeah. I was reading a foreign language. Exactly. But Discover Magazine, and I don't mean to damn anyone's accomplishments with faint praise, but Discover is like People Magazine except for real science. Like yes. It is made understandable to the layperson right. like me, so if you right. find the subject fascinating, you can kind of get your head around what exactly. they're talking about, exactly. and that's the whole bit. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I... So, so I I started this Future Dude blog back in 2012, and uh, and I was, you know, um, I used to have a nonprofit organization uh, called Project Universe that uh, was a subcontractor with uh, NASA, JPL, and we did a lot of really cool stuff, curricular stuff, things like that. And um, uh, so you've been around the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, oh, yeah, like yeah. your dad oh, yeah. being an aerospace engineer. I mean, yeah, you've been to NASA. I have. I have, I have. So cool. One of my uh, clients a couple of, uh, a few years back was Buzz Aldrin, actually. Since you've been in here, you have name dropped Malcolm McDowell and now Buzz Aldrin. And also you can dance. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been known to. You are to. a I, very interesting individual. I, so yeah. when we talk about Malcolm McDowell, let's go ahead and talk about Persephone because we don't have a ton of time left and I want to sure. make sure to not give this short shrift. So you had this blog, you've worked at that nonprofit, you've met these incredible people, yep. and now you are a 
writer, director, production designer for a major motion picture called Persephone. So I want to direct people to your website, which is futuredude.com, yep. because then you can take a look at all these older projects, and we are going to have you back, and we'll talk more about them. But Neptune, Oceanus, Saturn V, these are things that are in the works, but Persephone has got to be taking up most of your time right yeah, now. Yeah, that's my, it's my prime focus. I, I, um, so it's a, it's a film that's about uh, the first... Uh, so, so in 2016, uh, astronomers discovered uh, a planet orbiting... In the Goldilocks zone, you guys know what that is, right? I do. That, right? Okay. I, do. I don't. Okay. So the Goldilocks zone would be the, the area where uh, life as we know it could exist on a planetary surface, right? It's not too oh. hot, not oh, too yeah, cold. Yeah. yeah right? Okay. It's I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Just right. Yep. Just I just right. have never heard right. it called right. the Goldilocks. Zone. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm gonna get this um, guy a subscription to yeah, Discover Magazine. Sense, yeah, so. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so so the uh, the the bottom line is they've discovered a planet there, and this is orbiting the nearest star to Earth, right? So it's 4.6 light years away. Yeah. Um, you know, about 40 trillion kilometers away, that sort of thing. It's right. a lot of kilometers yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 you couldn't, uh, you couldn't just drive there. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, um, you know, the, uh, the, it hit me. I was like, well, what if we told a story about going there? You know, it's like, it's like you got, you know, Star Wars, they're going to either, I don't know where that is. Some long time ago, galaxy far, far away. Uh, Alderaan. Right, right. Tatooine. Star, right, right. You know, cool, fine. Um, um, Bespin, you know, cloud what, City, oh like man, the twin pod cloud cars. Yeah. Yeah. I like <laughs> me some Bespin, but what, what I, um, what I like about the way that you approach this and then I'm going to get you right back to the, okay. to the, the summary yeah. of it Yeah, is much like we talked about very early on in the show. The thing that makes alien, a living, breathing document is they're farther away than you're talking about. And they're a mining colony and they're a giant, basically a freighter. Like this is not a glamorous job. So there's very practical reality things, but there's also science that doesn't exist yet. And you're trying to find that sweet spot where it's not totally fantastic. It's not Lord of the Rings. It's a ways out yet for sure, but this could be how it shakes out. Exactly. This is set, uh, set a hundred, hundred fifty years out. And, uh, I've got a science advisor, Kevin Grazier, who worked on, uh, Battlestar Galactic, all this stuff. He's a NASA guy. And he and I talked about like, how would you really get to Alpha Centauri? What, what kind of ship would you build? What kind of propulsion systems? And so I, I came up with a story, um, about the first human beings to land on that planet. And the idea is that climate change has messed up the earth so badly that we, we have to start looking for other places to live. So in the story, we um, were set at a time where where this about twenty thousand colonists are in hibernation on this, and there's a lot of radiation coming from the star. It's a red dwarf mm. star that's got massive solar flares and stuff. So they're, they're talk- if you're going to live on this planet, you you, you got to be prepared to deal with this. And then I was reading other science stuff about the idea of how you, how you create an, a, a shield, an electromagnetic field that would block out some of the radiation. Not like unlike that. what we have on planet Earth, naturally occurring. It, it is. It is, actually. But you know, something they found out is that our radio transmissions and television transmissions have created this artificial bubble that actually blocks out certain uh, wow. rays and stuff, too. Really? Yeah, yeah. And that, so so when I read about Proxima uh, B, then I read about that, and so I was like, man, I could create a story about this. And so the idea is around uh, people going there, and they built this shield that they sent in advance that that should be working when they arrive at the planet the shield's not working so um basically spoiler alert well 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 it's not actually because the spoiler would be if i told you why the shield's not working oh yeah exactly cthulhu and this is where lovecraft comes in finally we're getting there finally jeffrey morris you are delightful so persephone i just i have so many questions for you do you think that we could start and and a secondary podcast called Nerd Alert, and but not, but not like I'm not talking. I don't want to sit down and talk about the life cycle of tribbles. I want to talk about real science. Like yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd love it. Man. Well, we're gonna have to think yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. So you you find a way to incorporate that. I want to talk a little bit more about the practical aspect of it. You don't just get to go from being a choreographer and working backstage at Paisley Park to actually having real influence and being a player with. Hollywood figures. I mean, that, that's a closed-off community. Those walls are tall. How did you break through that? Okay, so the 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 main thing for me has been um, around that same time that I was doing the work with uh, uh, Paisley and other stuff, the music video stuff. I decided that I was really going to focus on being an entrepreneur, and I uh, I worked with uh, the University of St. Thomas in their grad school. I started writing my first business plans. I worked with the Carlson School of Management. I learned how to write business plans and raise mm-hmm. money. You know, and I did a lot of fundraising work and that sort of thing. So. I started my first company. I haven't, I haven't, I've been working for myself since 91. So I wow. started my first company then and basically started raising money. And, uh, you know, I've got some, some uh, fantastic investors that I'm working with here in the Twin Cities. We've been partners for about six years. And they, uh, they, you know, we've been working together. And they, they've helped me 
to finance all this, you know, but I, they wouldn't have done it if I hadn't done the business side. So that honestly, 85% of my work is, is business. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing business, oh, yeah. doing projections, you know, meeting with people, networking. That's what it's all about. And that's what's helped me to get the, the leg up to do this Hollywood stuff. The storytelling stuff has always been something that's part of me, the design stuff and everything. But I always, I made the decision back in the nineties. I was like, none of this is going to matter if I'm just doing it in a basement somewhere. So the way to get it Ooh, out of the I basement. I feel very seen. Yeah. <laughs> I feel very seen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. You know, and so that, that business side is is the thing that gets you through. Yes. And and uh, just when people ask me, they're like, well, well, how did you do this? And, and literally people are like, I can't do this. I don't know how to make this happen. I'm like, the story is one part, but having a great story is not it. There's there's so much more. And and it's it's the business side. So that's so that's what I would say is the number one thing that's helped me to move this along. Is I was, a lot of people probably think like, oh man, Jeffrey's just so lucky. And I'm like, well, no, hell the, no, the luckiest no, people no, I know no, are also no, the hardest working no, people no, I know no. because you'll get an opportunity here or there, and then if you don't turn around and bust your ass on the oh, other side of it, no. then it doesn't matter at all. No, no, no. no. We're talking. I mean, um, I've been for decades working. 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. 90 hours a week, you know, um, uh, and somehow you still have a good attitude. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's, you got to keep your eyes on it. There are moments that I've had where I'm like, I'm just going to j- jump off a bridge, you know, but it, I'm like, no way. Hell no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fail at this, especially with all the shitty movies that, that I see being made. So many yeah. shitty There's movies. so much so shit. It's like, much. I look at this and I'm like, <laughs> my God, it's like, if, if that can get made, I have got to stick this out. I can't believe this crap is getting made. Yeah. I have to do this. Uh-huh. You know? So that's kept driving me on too. You that's know? fabulous. So, well, I, yeah, I, I love yeah. your vision. I love yeah. your attitude. Yeah. And I knew I was going to like you in person, but it turns out I like you even more than I thought I was going to like you. Hey, that song I was going to end with, we're going to save that for another time because yeah. it's a long one. We're going to end with this upbeat, beautiful, wondrous, positive song. Well, upbeat might not right, be quite the right word to use, <laughs> but I, you know, the, the, the artist we're going to hear before we say goodbye, I always feel has a little bit of hope. Uh, his name is Jeffrey Morris and futuredude.com. Go and take a look. Persephone is in the pipe. I know it's impossible to predict. Do you have even a vague maybe release date on the film? So we, uh, it's, we're getting closer to figuring all this out. And that's one of the things that also people, it's difficult people to understand how hard it is to get these movies greenlit and get them moving. Um, but uh, it looks like we're going to be shooting at the end of the summer. Okay. That, right? Wow. And we're going to be shooting in the U.K. and the Canary Islands. And then uh, we'll be doing post-production and everything. So I would think uh, uh, I don't know, 2021, 2021, probably spring, where they're looking at March, August, or October. One of those as a three, release date? As a release date. Oh, see, one that seems three. quick to me. Like, yeah. I mean, only because, you know, you were just telling me about, like, only because these things take forever to well, do. Well, I've been working on it for two years, though. I know, yeah. but right. two yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, for major so. pictures that have a lot of CGI and also that many moving parts, yeah. a major motion picture is not a joke, man. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't understand a third of what you know yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that these things take a long time. Plus, all the time it's going to take for you to get to Proxima B to do your own location <laughs> shoot. And that's going to be a minute, man. It's going to take a while to get back. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's Please true go to futuredude.com. Um, do you have the financing you need? Is there? Do you do outside fundraising? Is there some way that people can assist or play along or be part of the process? No, you know, the main thing that I'm looking for, um, you know, we're financing this like a real feature. We've already done pre-sales internationally. Um, you know, we're waiting for our uh, our domestic sort of, uh, backstop deals, like what studio is going to carry it um, in terms of that. But we, you know, we're, it's going to be a national, international release in theaters, you know, the whole deal. So what, what people can do to help me is going to be to publicize this thing, get it out to your friends, talk. Cause I, cause with the budget that we have, the cast that we have and the way this is, this thing could be a winner really quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're, we're at a, we're at a sweet spot where we're not overspending. It's not some crazy ludicrous budget, but we have enough money to do this thing and make it really good. I want people to come out and see it. That's what I need. You know, so so once we start talking about it, I want people to follow our production, follow the development. I'm gonna keep that all open. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna close it off and be super secretive. Go to futuredude.com and take yeah. a look for yourself. The design, the trailers, the nature of it, and there's a lot of other projects we didn't get a chance to talk about. So I need you to promise me, Mr. Morris, that you will come back at some point. Specifically, not just I mean, we can also talk about the decaying state of humanity. You no, know, there's a lot of stuff. There's we need no to hope, talk about. but but we also we, we <laughs> there's but there's a lot of basic science stuff I want 
want to talk about, but I really want to get updates on Persephone. I feel like I've been watching this thing yep. since it's been born, or at least the parts you started sharing yep. about being born, and I find myself emotionally invested, and that's why I want people to go to Future Dude. It looks cool as hell, man. Your production you. design is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Thank it's, you. Just, it's really good. Jeffrey Morris, FutureDude.com. That's going to do it for the Brian Oak Show. Before we go, i got to thank our friends at AudioQuip. I have to thank uh, Rebecca Slater, who did all the photographs for our website, which thebrianoakshow.com. Uh, but she also has her own website called By Rebecca Studios. That's B-Y, not B-Y-E, not like By Rebecca. <laughs> By Rebecca Studios. Um, Dave Gatsmer, who does Plug Industries, who has provided some more excellent art for our studio here, the Smart Start MN Studios. And just thanks to everybody who's jumped on board. Patreon supporters at the VIP level, Please keep your eyes out. Within the next week or two, you're going to be getting an email about our first live event, which, fingers crossed, is coming up before the end of the month. It absolutely is. Jeff, you, Jeff thanks so much for being on. Really, absolutely. really cool. Yeah, thank you. Fascinating to talk to you, man. What are you doing? Yeah. I only have about 800 more questions on Persephone alone, but no, we'll, we're going to do this I have, again. I have yeah? an idea. I have an idea. I want to run past you guys. So we'll, we'll thank you for Ooh, having me. All right, gladly, man. It's just it's really wonderful to finally meet you. It's nice when you, you know, the Internet is such a cesspool that yeah. when you see someone that you think you like, you're like, oh, that person seems cool. And every yeah. once in a while you meet him, and you're like, no, that person's a dick, too. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that is absolutely Absolutely not the case. In fact, quite the other end. Jeffrey, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. And we'll talk again very soon. Oh, actually, before, you can't say completely goodbye yet because you chose our final song. And I love this because I didn't come to this until I was a little bit older. But this hit you when you were a kid. And it comes off one of the... It's it's a you can't argue that this song isn't a masterpiece, even if you're not a fan of the artist. Oh, and and not only that, I think it it absolutely talks about so this is a song written back in what 76 right Mm -hmm. but it talks so much about where we are right now you know it's it's like 40 years 44 years later 45 years later we'd be doing better something better but but the bottom line is here we are and it's like are we going to choose the past and the ugly times you know and and, are we going to choose a better future what are we going to choose what's the answer jeff i'm scared man man. i'm scared man (laughs) you should be you should be. Well, and, and people are going to recognize the main riff of this song as it was sampled, sampled rather famously later on. But um, this is a good one. And thanks, everybody, who's tuned in. Please feel free to share, uh, subscribe, and amplify as you see fit. Uh, because we're going to continue to have interesting guests on, and we're going to continue to play amazing music like this. Isolation, exploitation, mutilation, mutation, miscreation, confirmation to the evils of the world. World salvation, vibration, simulation, confirmation to 
Let's go.